Hey everybody, today we're talking about my good friend Ben Ellsworth and GigPro. After years of spending too much time and money on useless staffing software, Ben Ellsworth knew something had to change. So out of necessity, GigPro was born. GigPro is the on-demand marketplace for hospitality staffing. They're changing the way people work and hire. You download the GigPro app today, you can get the help you need. GigPro has an exclusive promo offer for Nashville Restaurant Radio listeners, sign up at go.gigpro.com forward slash N-R-R-B-I-Z. And make sure that you use that code. I want them to know that you came from Nashville Restaurant Radio. That again is go.gigpro.com forward slash N-R-R-B-I-Z. That code will get you your first gig for free, up to $200. Go check them out right now. You have heard me talk about Supersource for the last two years. And in that time, Jason Ellis, I feel like he's taken over the city. It is hard for me to get a guest in here that doesn't use Supersource. And I'm telling you, everybody loves him. When you mention Jason, they're like, oh my gosh, that guy's legitimate. Now ask yourself this question. Do you feel that way about the person that provides you with your dish machine and chemicals? Because he's the real deal. And guess what? He's not going to make you sign a five-year contract. He's never going to say, well, you signed a contract. It's on you. He goes week to week. You never sign a contract. So he earns your business every single week. I loved it when we had Cam and Nikki in from the Red Perch, and they said, he's like one of our employees when he's in the building. He's that good. You should call him today. If you don't feel that way about your dish machine and chemical person, 770-337-1143 is how you get a hold of Jason or go to nashvillerestaurantradio.com click the sponsors tab there's a special link on there that will get you special discounts for new customers call them now welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio the tastiest hour of talk in Music City now here's your host Brandon Still Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. Super pumped to be coming at you on a Monday. Yeah, spring break week, baby. Let's go. This is typically a week that is a little bit slower for some of the restaurants on the outskirts of town. Downtown may be busy because three people coming into town for spring break. But this is a chance to grab a week that's a little slower and knock some projects out. We are all new today, and we have Blake Harris, who is the general manager over at Joyland. Uh, I am joined on this interview with my co-host, Jen Ichikawa, who is not going to be here on the intro, but she is amazing, and this episode was so much fun. You know, I say that on every episode because it is true. We have too much damn fun right here in this studio. And you know what? It was an interesting week. My birthday week this past week. Uh, birthday was on Tuesday. And uh, I'm 43, so that's not. I'm not like I throw big birthday parties. We did have dinner at the Audrey. Is it the Audrey? At Audrey, I think is what it's called. Sean Brock's new place. And it was amazing. Man, uh, the food was fantastic. They had a really 
amazing selection of zero proof beverages. And so after the meal, we met the general manager and he took us upstairs where June is going to be made. And they have a research and development area. They have a podcast studio. They've got a library. But one of my favorite things that they had, and we're going to talk about this on a show coming up, is that they have a wellness room for like employees or anybody that needs just like to take a few minutes and chill. It's got like shag carpet. There's a massage table in there. There's like yoga mats. Uh, you can like listen to a, a, a meditation. You can do it. If you need to like take five minutes, it's a mental health room. And I think that is so forward thinking and so intentional. And I'm so in love with that idea. And I would love to see that at more places, people intentionally caring for their staff. It's just, uh, I was blown away. Some of the things that they're doing, they have a machine that can extract alcohol from spirits. So like we had a couple of the zero proof and I had a a non-alcoholic beer, but the zero proof drinks is like they extract alcohol from rum and then you keep the essence of the rum. They make a cocktail out of it unbelievable how my wife tastes because it tastes like there's like like this has alcohol no there's none you keep the essence of it which i imagine for for people in recovery could be dangerous but also i thought it was just super um super cool i mean you don't have to drink alcohol it's really neat i i absolutely loved it we had snow this week which was absolutely insane um just a massive storm friday night that came in and out of the blue i thought was just I'm one of those people that love snow. So if you're not one of the people that love snow, I'm sorry that you hated that and you're ready for spring to get on. I am too. Looks like we're gonna be in the sixties and seventies all week long. Couple one I think Tuesday's supposed to be cloudy, but Monday is gonna be a gorgeous day. Tuesday's cloudy. Yeah, Wednesday and Thursday. I think we're expecting rain towards the end of the week. I'm not a meteorologist, but I want to give you your update on weather for the week. So spring, I think, is on the way. Super excited to have spring on the way. And I just, I got some news today that I want to share with you. Um, out of the world of Alabrije and Edgar, Edgar Victoria, he has found a new home. And you're going to be able to get Alabrije at the Honey Tree Meadery whenever you want. He's got a new residency at the Honey Tree Meadery, and I couldn't be more excited for him. Tacos, tacos, tacos. And he has a new page set up, and it is going to be at CDMX tacos for all the taco content super excited for my friend edgar victoria and alabrije at the honey tree meadery so you can get to go see him very soon go follow alabrije nash on instagram and his new taco page and the honey tree meadery right let's follow all of them and keep up to date with what our friends are doing so today's interview with blake harris is going to be um man i think that it was so fun because at the end he said the thing that was like the most amazing thing. He said, I thought we were going to talk about, I was, I'm sorry, we talked about me the whole time. I thought we were going to talk about Joyland. And I was like, no, man, this this show is about the people. Show is about the people in the industry. We did exactly our job today. His story was unique. He's an amazing guy. And I was excited to share it. Some cool revelations happening today. Let's jump in. It's Monday. Have a wonderful week out there. Go kick some ass. You have the rest of the week to accomplish everything. Monday is my favorite day. Go get it. Have a great one. Super excited today to welcome in Blake Harris, who is the general manager at 
Joyland. What's going on, brother? Not much, man. How are you doing today? I'm good, except for the fact that we're inside and we finally have like a 75 degree day, and I'm so ready for it. Yeah, it's the past few days have been actually really nice, right? Like I, I didn't get out much yesterday, so it was kind of one of those things. I heard it's going to go back to winter soon, though. For like well, this, a short bit. We're in what's known as ten, Tennessee. Has nice, this is fall spring. Yeah. And so we'll go back to it. Well, third winter will probably start next week and then we'll have real spring late March. Mm-hmm. It'd be really, have you lived in Nashville a long right. time? No, I've been here since September. And like, I mean, I grew up in the north and spent most of my life there. I, we were just talking a little bit. I did spend the past like five years between uh, Savannah, Georgia and Charleston, South Carolina. So like. Getting some cold this winter and getting that like change in the seat, like actual change in the seasons. Yeah. Like Charleston, Savannah, you get the bloom, which is great. You know, same same as here, you get the, the pollen season. Right. <laughs> but like having that actual change in the colors and just being able to experience that again was something really nice and really special this past this past season. I know it's my favorite. I grew up in Florida, so like I to me, this is all seasons. I'm like, oh, we get seasons here. I I love that because so many people tend to complain. You know, they just, there's just, oh, it's this, it's that, it's this. But I think that perspective is one of the most special things because when you're somewhere that doesn't have those and you come here and you're like, the leaves are so pretty. Like, I like it when it snows. Like, it's cool when it snows. Or I like it. It's not just an annoyance. Or, God, this weather sucks. I can't wait for summer. Like, really appreciating each season is something I do. I love each season. I think it's well, amazing. Savannah and Charleston too, like Florida, like you kind of just have hot and less hot. Like, you don't have absolutely. A, yeah, you don't have like the real cold. And so here I love clothing. And so I'm like, Oh, I love that. I get to cycle through clothing. Like I get to love this sweater for three weeks straight and then we get to move on. And yeah. What about you? Do you do clothing? Is that a big thing for you? (laughs) No, I get that. I'm, I asked the Bravo question. I I appreciate certain aspects of it. And I'm, I'm, I do have, you know, my fair share of clothing. That's not, like everyday type stuff, but for everyday stuff, it's like definitely function over form. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a functional clothing wearer too. And some people just say I'm old. He also <laughs> though changes his shoelaces to match each outfit. So like, let's call a speed of speed. You also appreciate. It, there's like I said, there's those, yeah. there's those the finer points, right? I like to be memorable. Again, I, I think that there's those little things that match like my watch with my shoelaces. Is that yeah. bad? Uh, Yes. I think it's I think it's attention to detail. It uh, is. Thank you. I see I, I knew I like this guy. Anytime he wears a tie though, I'm like, you look like a politician every single time and I So Blake, you've been here since September. What is your so far, what's your impression of Nashville? So I mean, I've been coming up to visit for three or four years now. Just like I I had known a handful of people in town and you know, it was kind of a place that in the back of my head was like I'd like to get there at some point. And it you know, I came up for a visit last July and had some conversations with some of the other people in the group and we made things work out and it was, it, it was time. So you got to visit before the pandemic. So you got to see yeah. Nashville like really, really alive. Absolutely. That's cool. I feel bad for people that moved here during and they don't know pre-pandemic, you know? Yeah. Although there's anticipation of what it could be like. Yeah. If you have a great time during the pandemic in the town. Yeah. Then when yeah, it just to like have that kind of like... That's your you know, baseline. If this is, if this is what it. it's like now. Only like, going to yeah. get better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could totally see that. So was your, you're from Wisconsin. Is that originally, your originally yeah. from Wisconsin? I'm looking yep. right now. You have lots of tattoos. I do. How many tattoos? Do you know how many tattoos you I, have? I don't. That's fantastic to me. 
I don't know. I don't have one tattoo. And one of my favorite questions to ask people is like about their tattoos. Do they all have meaning? All no. I mean, like some of them, you know, was kind of like obviously a, a place in a time kind of scenario where it was like, that's something that I'm really into right now or whatever it may have been. But like for the most part, you know, I've bounced around to a lot of places in my life. I've moved throughout most of the country at this point. And like, it's kind of one of those things. I had an older gentleman that I was talking with at one point and he was like, I, I don't really understand the draw of it. And I was like, you know, in this particular situation, I looked around the room and I was like, well, see, you've got a bunch of artwork up on your walls, right? Like, this is just the artwork that I don't have to pack up and move when I decide to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I love it. I think it's fantastic. But I think, when when did you get your first tattoo? How the, day, the day I turned 18, I got my first outline done. What is it? Do you, uh, it's like an eagle and some here? pistons that are on my chest. Okay, an eagle and some pistons are on your chest. At, at that point in time, you know, it's a pretty full strength first tattoo. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's <laughs> jumping in the. Deep it was end, one, it? you know, like I I got into at a relatively young, like had a very strong interest in like classic cars and motorcycles and stuff like that. So I kind of got in with a few people that were a little on the older side for my age range at that point in time, and like, yeah, it was it was something that was planned and I was ready to do it, but I was obviously waiting until it was legal. the day. <laughs> yes, I was grounded on my 16th birthday because I drove the car. Before my 16th birthday. You had the, the <laughs> discipline to wait. I love that. Are you a Brewers fan? Uh, being, you know, born and raised in Wisconsin, like, Brewers are kind of one of those ones that I've always had the soft spot for them. Um, you know, obviously, I'm guessing probably the next one will be asking about the Packers. Like, football was never really well, my thing. Well, you have a Brewers tattoo. Well, there, yes, there's that, one's, like, that one stands out. You um, have a Brewers tattoo. That's the only reason I'm asking. What's that? What sport? A field hockey. It's a baseball team. Oh. The Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, they're a I professional fully baseball team. I believed you. <laughs> She's not a sports person thing. I got the Field of Dreams reference. No, I wasn't as, as Packers, but I guess. Yeah, and that's one, like, I, I grew up playing hockey, so football was always kind of like a conflict of interest, I guess. Like, being from Wisconsin, it's one of those things I definitely feel like I have to at least know how the Packers are doing or what's going on in the world with of Packers, but, like, it's, I don't think you do. I no, just because you're from Spurn. I guess you have I guess it depends on the right who I'm talking to. If it's sports related, <laughs> I, I I now on your right hand is that a saber tooth tiger? Yeah, it is. Is that a Nashville Predator thing? It's not, but oh man, could you be. Being, you could being, change. Being that yeah. I'm here, I could kind of just pass it off. Huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I got the Brewers and I got the 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 Predators. It's a thing. So, um, Wisconsin. You, uh, when did you start cooking? Like what was your, was it the kitchen that you started in? I did start in the kitchen. Um, I started, there was, see, I was 21, maybe just 22 at the time and was, you know, at that age, you're in Wisconsin specifically, you're spending a lot of time at the bar and. But you're doing bikes and what were you like, what was your profession? You you said you got 18, you were into like bikes and motorcycles and. Yeah. And I, in the garage. I, you know, kind of did my fair share of retail stuff just through high school and college just to kind of have, you know, have some fun money and that kind of stuff. Um, at the time I was working at this industrial paint shop, which was kind of an interesting spin on things, but it was, you know, it's like at that point, like it, it, it went from just having the fun money to like, oh, I've got to make enough money to live. Mm. You know, so yeah. it's like, all right, cool. So this is something that I understand, you know, painting from Good at ha- it. having that kind of like automotive background was helpful. Like, I, I get it. You know, I can run a spray gun and stuff like that. So sure. it was like, all right, I have so no this, idea makes, to do that. this makes sense. But, you know, 
being in my early 20s and having a shift that starts at 7, 6, sometimes even as early as like 4 a.m. in the summertime so you can beat the heat. Like, yeah, they didn't really work out so well together. Mm. So as I was kind of hanging out, it I got to talk with a couple of guys in the kitchen and was like, hey, I'm looking for a job. And they had just had somebody either not show up or quit that day. And they were like, hey, we're looking for somebody to work. So <laughs> it, it, it just kind of started. And, that's, and since that day, have you done anything else? Uh, I've done... Like very early on when I started working in kitchens, I was still like working at a, a bicycle repair shop in town and like doing a couple of other odd jobs on the side. But um, there was a small point when I was living in Boston, well, small by like three years, four years that I was living in Boston that I worked as a bike messenger because um, cool. that was something that I also did when I was a lot younger. And it just kind of, it was, there was a situation at the time just needed a little break was a little burnt out on the industry was just kind of like mm-hmm. gonna catch my breath a little bit and went back to doing that for a while and well it sounds aside like from that it was it was pretty much the entire time just kitchens do you feel like you're always working yes you seem like the kind of guy that like just hearing so far like that just i'm always doing something i'm never just not doing anything if i'm not doing this i'm doing that you took a job as a bike master so that you could calm down like I think a job, it's like, like I'm drinking beer so I can sober up. You know what I mean? Like It's like that type of thing. Like where you're just always, always working. Is that work ethic instilled in, was that just something you got from growing up? It, it, your parents? That's, yeah. I feel like, you know, just parents were obviously like the major influence on that one, but just kind of like the, I feel like the, even the crowds that I got into, like the friends that I surrounded myself with, like everybody was just like super driven, super motivated. And like, it just, that was how we operated. Like, even now when I'm, you know, as I'm trying to kind of transition into a more healthy mental space and everything like that, like time off is still kind of that weird gray area where it's like, do you feel guilty when no. you have time off? Guilty? No. Like I, I, I do feel like I've gotten a little bit past that, but like it is the, I think the biggest thing that I've been having issues with is like trying to find outlets for my energy when there's not a specific task in front of me, like work. What do mm-hmm. you do? Yeah. Which like I've picked up some hobbies and things like that. And it's been going, that's, you know, I, I have been doing that. And especially now that like, you know, I live in Hermitage. So like having a lot of green space around me has definitely yeah. been nice. And like I get out with the dog and everything, go, there's, couple of state parks that are out just off the highway near me so like getting out into the woods that's something that i've always been into as well like man from mountain heart right there there's there's definitely i i have outlets these days um so it's that's that particular hurdle has done like been surpassed i feel like but can we talk about what you you didn't have an outlet like you said that you're moving into a new space where were you um well historically my time outside of work would have been spent with coworkers or other people in the industry at the bar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, I actually, thing. It, it really is, especially in this industry, but, um, I got sober about a little over two and a half years ago. Congratulations. Um, I didn't so, know that. Thank you. Cheers, man. Brandon is also sober and my husband is sober. So we're big. I'm a little, I'm almost I'm like two years and a couple months. Two nice. years and four months, I think four or five. Yeah. I'm like, okay. he, we, I can't believe we didn't know that. Yeah. We, it's like, like I said, he's sober. And then my husband just got sober last year. So it's very cool. Very present. It's, yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. And like, that's, that was also actually one of the big draws to Nashville is just 
from knowing a, a handful of people in the recovery community, like Nashville's a pretty great recovery city. People are really supportive of it and they're not judgmental of it, which is big. That's actually, that kind of touches on like one of the main things that drew me to Nashville mm -hmm. is like, not only does everybody kind of have some sort of passion or some sort of thing, whether it's, you know, a side hustle or whether mm -hmm. it's just a hobby or whatever it is. I like used to drive Uber. Yeah. Like there's some, there's things that people are really, really into and it seems like there's a ton of support in the community, regardless of what community you're in, in this, and you can like feel it when you're here. And that's, that was one of the big things that initially was like, something's going to be right. Mm -hmm. Well, it's different too, because I think you, like if you manifest something, you look for something, you can usually find it. Yeah. Right. So I mean, Nashville, people come to Nashville. My favorite things was driving people in Uber. So that's just, I have to be doing something. And if I'm not sitting somewhere drinking or like, I, I gotta be moving. I gotta be going. I can't just sit and do nothing. And so I like to drive Uber Saturday and Sunday mornings, but you would pick people up on a Saturday morning coming to Nashville and they're like, woo, man, Nashville, we're going to get fucked up. It's going to be great. And they're just like pumped. And then you drive people Sunday or Sunday <laughs> afternoon and they're like, just get me the hell out of here. Like this city <laughs> has ruined me. And it's like, oh yeah, man, Nashville can chew you up and spit you out if you're looking for that. Absolutely. But if you're not and you choose who you hang out with, it's, it's, it's very supportive i think yeah there definitely is kind of you you very much get i don't want to say both speeds because i don't want to simplify it into just being those two categories but like you get that that range yeah um whereas you know kind of like what we were just talking about like when i was a messenger in boston the company that i was working for we also did business in new york so i'd go there a few days every month and do some work up there and or yeah well i guess where we are it's up there but um <laughs> It's New York is a city that, regardless of kind of where you get in, it's going to chew you up and spit you out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every time I see, like, New York on TV, I just go, God, that city's just insane. I love it. it no, it is. It's it's. I love it. That's where I, I almost moved instead of here. I love it so much. But it, it's a great place to visit. Mm. Yes. <laughs> it's like Southern California. I'm originally from Southern California. And people oh, are like, on this episode, you're originally from Southern California? Originally, I was born in Southern California. <laughs> From Nashville. <laughs> Stop. Anyhow. <laughs> people's like, why would you leave like Orange County? Like that's such a beautiful place. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's a great place when you go there for the four days that you're there, the week that you're there, and you go to the beach every day and you go to Disneyland and you go to Knott's Berry Farm or you go to Big Bear and you go snowboarding and surfing in the same day, right? It's a whole thing. But like when you live there, you gotta deal with all the bullshit. Playing today on traffic and all that stuff. Nashville's not like that though. Probably, I mean, mainly because you can't plan anything around the traffic because it's just there. <laughs> <laughs> it happens all the time now. Mm -hmm. People are getting swallowed up by potholes. Oh my gosh, my drive, my drive here on Hillsboro is wild. It is. Um, of, you said you're in Hermitage? Yeah. It's a cool part of town. It's nice. Like, it's, you know, kind of getting to an age in my life where I don't need to be right in the middle of everything. And, yeah. like, you know, but it's, you know, I've got all of the conveniences that I need, you know, it's, it's, there's enough things going on that are right there that I can access them if I need to. But at the same time, I'm close enough to, like I said, close enough to that green space where it's not like a special trip. Right. Have you ever been out to like Percy Warner or Edwin Warner parks? Uh, the parks I have not been to, I primarily have been going uh, a little bit further East out to like the, I think it's long hunter 
and there's another one um, out closer to Lebanon. That those are the two that I usually go to. But okay. like, Cedars I know Lebanon. Yes, um, but I know there is like a lot of times I'll hit the like the Donaldson end of the Greenway and kind of hit the trail out there just because that one's you know a nice paved walking path and I think there's a dog park right there even though I don't get to that very often what kind of dog do you have I've got an American bully American bully yep so she's is that a pit bull or is that they're they are separate like they're they're aesthetically very much just like a large pit bull um okay they are classified into a number of different sizes but um they're they've had like the the prey drive and the fight aggression essentially they've they're bred to be companion animals as opposed to like hunter, you know, a hunt, you know, a, mm-hmm. a, a working animal. Um, so she's a 75 pound snuggle bug that obviously does <laughs> oh. look like a pit bull, but she's just a sweetheart. Bill Burr does the best bit. It's called, it's a, it's a, I don't know which album it's on, but the, the episode is called, the segment's called Hellhound. And he's on, he's out doing shows and his girlfriend adopts a pit bull. And he talks about coming in, this pit bull has now established himself in the house. And I've been gone for a week and I'm walking in like, Hey man, it's a great bit where he ends up talking about how much he absolutely loves the dog. He goes, but one of the greatest things in the world, he goes walking down the street on the sidewalk with a pit bull. People just get out of your way. It's amazing. There's, there's, there's a general fear of this dog. Do you, is that like a true statement or do you hate that? I mean, it's, I guess whether or not I like it doesn't really make a difference, but it is, it, it is, it's, I feel like it's less prevalent where I'm at currently. Cause I am not, you know, there's a, not like a sidewalk. You're walking down exactly. on green spaces. Um, but like when I was in Charleston or when I was in Savannah, Savannah was a little bit different because it was small enough that you kind of know everybody, but like definitely in Charleston, it was just like, you would notice people crossing at the end of the block and that kind of stuff. And it's just like, Guys, it's it's, it's, it's all good. Yeah. No, I, I'm the one who runs up to you. I'm like, I'm going to pet the dog. So to get back to your culinary career, because sure. you know, that's what we're here, right? This Absolutely. is Nashville <laughs> Restaurant Radio. And I we do a show every month where I have somebody who's in the industry come on and cool. tell their story. About to talk about sobriety. So it's funny. Like, oh, that's super cool. One of our, like, we just had um, uh, Ben Ellsworth, who's the CEO of GigPro. Sure. And he was just on, he's five and a half years. So we're told his entire story, all the... Stuff I did it, and we had Corey Coleman. So that's the thing that we do on this show. That's super if you cool. didn't know that, like that's, I don't want to get super personal. It's not what we had you on here for today, but what a cool coincidence that it is a thing. So, um, when did you? So you started when you were twenty one, twenty two. Yep. In Milwaukee, or in that was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. It was in Milwaukee. Yep. And then you moved to Savannah, Charleston, and you get involved in the scene there, like. So walk the, me through your progression. Yeah. So you get to Nashville? Um, I did like grew up in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, which is about 45 minutes, 50 minutes north of Milwaukee. Um, moved to Milwaukee for round one of college. And it's that during that time that I got into restaurants and then, you know, went from the sports bar, full service kitchen that I started in to, you know, we had a window and a register right there in the kitchen kind of scenario um, to, a little bit more elevated kind of finer dining, but like still kind of a neighborhood spot. And then at that point it became apparent to me, I was like, you know, it's, this is going to be something that sticks around for a while. And I decided that I was going to go to, I applied both to Johnson and Wales and to CIA for culinary school. Did you come Um, up with that on your own 
was there, did you have like a mentor, somebody that worked in that place was like, Hey man, you got skills. You should do this for a while. Little bit of both. Like the first chef that I worked for, like the first yeah chef that I worked for, um, she was definitely very kind of formative in a lot of that. Um, you know, seeing where I could go with things in the industry. Um, and then, yeah, my decision for school was more so to not only see kind of some other places, but also to like increase my marketability. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, so while I was, I, I ended up actually going to Johnson and Wales in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, while I was there, I worked at a handful of restaurants in town that were some of the more popular spots. And definitely that was like my biggest period of growth kind of early on in my career. Um, so rolled with that and then went back to Milwaukee for a little while, ended up in Indiana for a short period, running up, like helping a project there with a guy who's at the time is a good friend of mine now is, you know, we're obviously much more distant, but still still sure. in contact. Yeah. Um, moved to Chicago for a little while shortly after that and then back up to Boston and when it was like. When I took my little hiatus and was doing the, the messenger work, I reached out to a friend that I had actually hired when I was living in Providence, who I knew had worked at Husk in Nashville, here in Nashville, um, and was like, hey, man, I think it's time for me to get back into kitchens and get out of, get out of Boston, you know, what's good? He's like, oh, we're actually about to open a Husk in Savannah, and I was like... Let's make it happen. Yeah. So I went down and I worked. I'd stayed for a week with him and kind of checked the place out and things fit well and everything like that. So a month later, I packed up and moved. And that's that's how I got in with the group with, you know, Sean and the yeah. the, the culinary, the kind of the family that I'm with now, essentially. The, 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 the team, the family. Yeah. <clears throat> so I got two questions from that story. One is... What'd you learn in culinary school? Would you recommend culinary school to somebody? If I'm a 22, 23, whatever, however person I am, I identify that like working in kitchens. Was it beneficial for you? Did you learn? What What did you learn? What's the best part about school? So it's a tough one to say one way or the other because it's like I, I don't want to knock on culinary school and I don't want to push like, you know, uh, you don't need a degree like some of the doesn't best, hurt. Some of the best chefs I know don't have degrees, right? Yeah. Um, but no, it, like you said, it does not hurt. Um, I think that I had the advantage of going in at 25, 26, like knowing what I wanted to do, having some experience in the industry. So I feel like having that on my side, I definitely was able to get more out of my schooling, you yeah. know, focus on areas that I knew I was you know, I, I wanted Lean to learn, into I, wanted, like, I wanted I to, to learn more, about, more about, but didn't necessarily have the access to it at the restaurant that I was working at at the time or 100%. whatever it is. Um, I also didn't <laughs> go into it with the idea of like, I'm going to go to school and then I'm going to graduate and then I'm going to be a chef. Like right walk right into the, the country club and be like, Hey, you know, I, I, I do feel like that's, I feel like kind of one of the big downsides of this. I mean, school across the board these days is like, everybody has this mentality of like, I'm going to go to school and then I'm going to get my dream job. It's like, well, that's kind of not how this still gonna have to work for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think you learn connections, and you there's a lot and of that was that was one of the biggest things is like the the chefs in the program, and like just some of the handful of students that I did surround myself with that have gone on to do great things and be in you know work at great restaurants. Like those, like you said, those connections were definitely the biggest thing that I got out of going to school. Um, the education was great. Don't get me wrong; like it was very much worth it. 
Um, Learn the mother sauces, you know, knife skills, what yeah. the different, what a julienne is, what a brunoise. You, you, you learn all these little things that are good to know, but if, if you had a really good teacher in a restaurant, they could potentially teach you that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the connections from that and, you know, having kind of that, you know, support system to fall back on, like, that that's a lot of part, like a lot of why I kind of bounced around as much as I have because I had. Well, that's what I, I had the opportunity the next to. The next, the, the bouncing around a lot was that because you wanted to have different experiences. I mean, did, did people find you and say, "Hey, come move here. I want you for this job," or were you kind of like? Because for me, all my moving was like, I feel like I'm going to get fired any day now. I've pushed every the the, the the I'm at the limit here. I'm going to go do something different and start over. And so there. I, there, there was very much that, like, you know, obviously, as we kind of touched, on, touched on recovery earlier, yeah, yeah. like, you know, there's only so many bridges you can burn before it's time to get the hell out of town, right? <laughs> yeah, when you were, you were going through your story, you're like, then I was in Chicago, then I was in Boston, then I was in here, then there. And I was like, that's a lot of moving around. Yeah, I mean, it's... And that's like state to state moving yeah. around. Like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Um, it's not like I'm in Brentwood and I'm moving to Cool Springs. That's... No, and there was, yeah, there there was a few Sorry. little, like, kind of bounce, <laughs> a couple other spots in there, too. But, like, yes, there was there was that point where I was like, you know, am I doing this because I'm chasing something, or am I doing this because I'm running from something? Mm. There you go. That's, um, that that would have been my question. Did you but feel like, like you're doing chasing or running? <laughs> um, there was definitely points of both. Um, but at the same time, like, it, it was a lot of, like, I knew kind of, you know, just from having knowledge of the industry and doing my own research or, you know, whatever, like following people and getting interested in somebody's style or somebody's kind of general concept or like their, their, I guess, overarching ethos of like how they handle their food or manage their team or whatever it may be. It's like, this is a person that I feel like has the skill set and the knowledge base that I want to be able to glean something from. So it was yeah. kind of that, it, it was that little bit of a, you know, I see this in that person and I want to be able to see that in myself. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try and get some of that. When did you transition to front of house? Um, it's, there's not really a very distinct line there. Um, a lot of my history, like a lot of my culinary experience was in more open kitchens and sure. also in, in establishments where like, you know, the, the farm spot that I was helping run in Indiana, like, we were three people. Right. So like not only was so I not only was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like oh, yeah. you yeah. know, there's there's a lot of that and like just having that kind of general, you know, especially having like a retail background, like having that kind of comfortable mm-hmm. like being comfortable with like interacting with people, like there was always kind of that in my yeah. skill set. Um so coming to Joyland was is really my kind of first official kind of non-kitchen yeah management position but at the same time like it's still very hybrid i'm still mm-hmm. you know in the kitchen more often than not i have a follow-up go for it when you started at husk in savannah that's you've been with that group since then right i've not oh, so you left and went away and then came back yes okay i was gonna ask what the culture was like like when you walk in the door there you've kind of been to a bunch of different places hey i'm gonna move to savannah Walking there and meeting those people, are there core values you live by? Is there a feeling when you walk in the door like, oh, no, this is the way it is? And how do they articulate that? So, 
at that point in time, like I yes, there were kind of there was definitely that like kind of good feeling of of there is the core values that I also share, you know, share. So like that there was that kind of mentality going in. Um but one of the main things is like once you get into restaurants at that level, like there's there like no margin for error. It's not so much that it's not even a margin for error. It's that the the people that are there are there because that's where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not like they're just coming to work a job. The restaurant people. Exactly. And they're they're, they're okay. They're, they're okay telling their parents this is what we do. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not this isn't this is my real job. I'm not looking for something else while I do this. This is it. And it was just like being a, being surrounded by, you know, like that drive and that motivation, like that was I've, I've had that through most of my career because I have kind of like we talked about, like I just, I have kind of like chased those places and kind of went to the places that were appealing to me, which obviously aren't just appealing to me. They're going to be appealing to others. Right. Sure. Um, but when you end up at a place, especially a place like Husk or, you know, any of the other kind of higher name or higher caliber places that I've been at, like when you have that draw of like, people that want to be there specifically to be at that place, then that's when you get into that kind of those like happy feelings of like, all right, we're, we're here for a common goal. Like we're here to do this together. Like let's, let's make this work. Does it get competitive? Cause you mentioned we're all there for the same thing, but like I'm a badass and I know I'm a badass. You are too, but you're needs to be like this and this needs to be like that. And I feel like, the competitiveness was a little more prevalent earlier in my career. Okay. Um, more so. I'm trying to think how to put this. Like, mostly because I, maybe this is just my take on it, but like, I I have a very healthy respect for like the hierarchy in a kitchen or like hierarchy sure. in general, right? So like, you know, always having that respect for the person above you or whether it, even the people below you, just like knowing how to handle them on a daily basis or whatever it may be. Um, but just kind of always, yeah, just kind of like that general aura of respect or like that general vibe of respect, like always having that be very prevalent. Like there is probably still very much it's, it, it exists. Um, I just kind of lately have been feeling it a little bit less cause it's not so much that, you know, I've been competitive see the competitiveness like it's yeah it's you know i can I, I think i know what you're saying my question my follow-up to that is at joyland right so while it's a sean brock restaurant and while it's i mean there, there's a there's a ton of respect there for that in itself it's is it, it is it considered fast food we are going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors Are you a professional looking for a job here in Nashville? Maybe you're just looking for a gig. You need maybe a better work-life balance? Change the way you work. GigPro can provide the opportunity for higher pay, a flexible schedule, and hopefully connect you with the right fit for a long-term employment. Sign up now at go.gigpro.com forward slash pro. Once you sign up and complete your profile, you can earn $5 for each person you refer to the app. Go do it now. What Chefs Want has been serving the Nashville restaurant community for over 15 years. During that time, they've worked tirelessly to be, well, what chefs want. 
Seven-day deliveries, no fuel charges, 24-7 customer care, unparalleled availability, and they'll split almost everything they sell. If you're the kind of person that wants to see what's new when it comes in stock, you should follow them on the socials at what chefs want and sign up to be a customer at whatchefswant.com. One of God's great gifts to this world was fresh baked bread. That's why Sharpier's Bakery delivers six days a week to your restaurant, as they've been doing for 36 years. Aaron Moso's family has been running Sharpier's Bakery, locally owned and operated right here in Nashville, Tennessee, like I said, for 36 years. Go check them out at sharpies.com. That's C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com or Sharpies Bakery on Instagram and Facebook. Give Aaron Moso a call at 615-319-6453 to set up an appointment to talk about what fresh bread you'd like delivered to your restaurant today. My question, my follow-up to that is at Joyland, right? So while it's a Sean Brock restaurant and while it's, I mean, there, there's a there's a ton of respect there for that in itself. It's is it is it considered fast food? No, I mean, like, I mean, I, I mean, at the end of the because day, because it's a high level. I mean, the food is fantastic, and I mean, it's like the best in the world. But I mean, being the general manager there, like, are you getting different people that work there? Is it all people that want to be in the restaurants? Because I know for a while when Husk or when uh, Joyland opened, they brought. Everybody from the Audrey who was just there when we were right in the middle of a pandemic and you had all these amazing chefs from everywhere who were coming in for the sure. Audrey that are working at Joyland. Like, you're getting some of the best chefs in the world cooking your food there. Is everybody that works there now there? Because I mean, managing that, being a general manager in that situation with the way that the pool of people is right now to work, everybody's trying to find good people. We're all out there looking every day for good people. Are yeah. you, we've had this conversation, does Sean Brock have a problem hiring people? Because the name people just want to go there and work um so i would say a lot of questions there sorry <laughs> yeah I, the the my staff at the moment is definitely a very diverse spread um there are you know we've got a couple of kids in culinary school we've got some people that it's just kind of like their one or two day a week job to fill their free time you know there's it's really all across the board, like some people that have never worked in restaurants before and figure it's a cool thing because like at the end of the day, yes, I mean, it is for all intents and purposes, like it's a fast food spot. Like we sling burgers. I don't want to say that. I mean, sling burgers and fried chicken and, you know, make milkshakes, but like it's still, you know, the ingredients we're sourcing are very high quality and everything like that. And there is a a higher attention to detail than I think would typically be in, you know, your Mm -hmm. McDonald's or your Burger King or anything like that. But of course, um, I think, yes, we do get that more diverse spread because I think, you know, like, obviously the barrier to entry is going to be much lower, right? Which that was one of the draws for me to come do that is because, like, you know, at this point in my career, it was, you know, it's like, do I want to keep killing myself for the 1% every night that may or may not actually appreciate what I'm, what goes into the meal that gets set down in front of them? Or do I want to, like, I've said it before a couple of times, but, like, this is... I'm looking at this as kind of a way for me to be able to give back, you know? So if it is those kids that, that do want to find themselves in the restaurant industry and do want to progress, like I've done that. Right. So like if they want to be able to learn from me or if, you know, I want to kind of push them to 
help grow within the company. Like that's the other cool thing, having those other outlets of Audrey and the continental, like, yeah. you know, if they want to come through Joyland for six months or a year, and then they kind of have ideas of getting into one of the other restaurants. Like that's something that we encourage in the group is, you know, the ceiling is really only as high as the person that sets it, mm-hmm. you know, like you can go wherever you want if you want it. I love fast casual. I think fast casual, which is how I would describe. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. I, I did yeah, hear, yeah. I did hear actually somebody, this is through the previous general manager. I did hear her mention that she was told one time somebody referred to it as destination fast food. Oh, sure. Like in and out kind of, right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I get that. Yeah, and I yeah. like it. My husband and I own a fast casual restaurant. I, we love fast casual. But I think, you know, in Nashville, I've been here almost uh, about nine years. And I feel like industry wide for a while, sit down, fancier, like, you know, white tablecloth places were kind of slowly going away. Like people weren't, there weren't that many of them opening in the city. People were kind of tired of them. And I think the pandemic changed that a little bit because then we were all isolated and then we wanted to be, we all cooked for ourselves all the time, right? We had to like wash our groceries, remember in season one. And, um, and, uh, Anyway, and so then it came back, everyone, the world came back. And so now there is, I think that craving for like, let's be indulgent, like the roaring twenties in a way, right? Like let's go to these fun places and these fancy places. And I think that allowed fast casual to stay sustainable through the pandemic, which was great because they were hit in a way that white tablecloth restaurants were not right. Like white tablecloth, people weren't spending the money at white tablecloths, whereas like I can speak for our restaurant, they would still order that to go because that would have always been to go. Like, yeah, and I mean for, I didn't come on until afterwards, but like, you know, the first, I think, year mm-hmm. or so, Joyland was curbside or carry-on yeah, only. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. And it's right. easier to maintain time, that. I pulled up and they came out and sat on my hood and yep. said, thank right. you. And I was that, like, same. I was actually, sweet. I was, I was in Charleston at the time, but I was driving home to visit my folks January of last year. What's that last January of last year? Mm-hmm. And I stopped to see a buddy in Columbia and mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm close enough. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit out it's of the close way. Close enough and to you. Gosh. <laughs> no, I'm Whoa. saying, I'm saying he was, Oh, I guess it, that. Yeah. You're but like I, I was, I was on my way back to Savannah and that yeah. was kind of like the halfway point Sure. or I was, excuse me, Charleston. And that was the halfway point. So I spent the night at his place and mm-hmm. then was like, you know, it's a little bit out of the way, but I'm going to take the extra half hour or whatever yeah. it is going to town and I'm going to get me some Joyland. Yeah. But I think the great, I, I think the great thing fast casual allowed during the pandemic that it did not allow for a white tablecloth is because we did our, everybody already had to go. Like you've yeah. never been to a fast casual place that didn't have a to go option. Whereas like a lot of nicer restaurants had to create that business. Exactly. And that's, that's what I was just going to say is yeah. just being able to pivot to something that uh, pivot to a system that you've already got in place makes it, I mean, easier is kind of putting it lightly, but like, right. But yes, it makes it, you didn't have to create a market that wasn't there. And the fun thing about it is like, we did scale back our menu. Right. But we also got to be really intentional about what was on it, which (coughs) I think it allowed people to see fast casual in a different way that now people love again, which I think is so exciting because now we've seen all of these, now, I think we're back in that time where like, yes, people want to go out and be decadent and indulgent and go to the Audrey or I work at Cork and Cow at night, which is like fancy fine dining too. And those are great. And I love them. 
but you also have Eastside Bon Me and you've got Joyland and you know, you've got these like fun lighter places too. And I just, I think people just want to have fun now. And so what I love about Joyland is your logo and like all your paper, like everything, it wants you to have fun. Like you're clearly uh, yeah. there to have fun. It's called Joyland. Right. It's, I mean, it's in the name. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's right there. I don't think I'm going to go there and not have fun. But I love it's on, that it's, it's on brand. But I love that it's not black or white. You know what I mean? Like, I love that it's this red, blue, yellow, and it's just, it is supposed to be fun. And I just, I'm so glad that places like that exist yeah. where it's like, we don't have to look, I don't know. Cause I feel like a lot of places now are just trying to be like clean lines all the time and like really like everything is wood or natural or whatever. And it's like, no, 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 this is like. This is going to be colorful and fun and different. And I like that. And I mean, kind of to the point that you were making too, is like, you know, yes, there is still very much that, that market for going out and having mm -hmm. that fancy sit down dinner. But like, like you said, places like us, like Eastside Bon Me, like, you know, any number of spots, there's, um, there's less commitment when it comes to going to that right. place. Like I don't have to get dressed up. I don't have to spend yeah, the stakes aren't two high. hours I can take on my dinner. Kids. I, exactly. Yeah. Um, but like, I think just being able to, whether it is that like go in and pick something up and take it home or, you know, eat it in the car, or whether it's going in and, you know, I can order and sit down and have a meal and be in and out in 35, 40 minutes. Like, yeah, there's not that time commitment. There's not the, I mean, with all of us experiencing the burnout that we are, there's right. not that like that mental buildup and commitment of mm -hmm. like, like I said, getting dressed or like making the plans or like, it's like, Hey, let's just go do this real quick. So is there freedom in that for you after being in like high caliber kitchens for most of your career? Is it, is it just kind of nice to be like, okay, this is still high caliber ingredients and quality, but I literally work at Joyland. Like so there is like, that's, and that's kind of what I have been trying to push is like, you know, yes, you know, it's, it's, like we said, it's a Sean Brock restaurant. So right. like there is those standards, there is, you know, expectations that are set, but at the same time, like our goal is to serve good food in a fun atmosphere. So like at the end of the day, part of our job is to have fun. Yeah. So, and especially having that kind of open, open kitchen concept, like, you know, that's one thing that is like early on and, you know, hiring some of the cooks, it's like, I try to instill in them, especially with having that a lot of that in my background is like, whether we like it or not, we're on display. Mm -hmm. Like this is our stage. I so you're on stage. Yeah. So like, you know, spin it to work for you in that regard. Like mm -hmm. if we're having a good time, if we're joking, if we're laughing, like that's going to convey to a guest experience mm -hmm. in a way that isn't necessarily going to happen in a restaurant where the kitchen is closed off. Yeah. Um, so if we can work that to our advantage, then, you know, it's going to make a better atmosphere for the staff, a better atmosphere for the guests. And at the end of the day, like, like I said, everybody's going to have fun and enjoy themselves. And, and people will want to work there. there. They'll want to be part of that, you know. Do you think that when there's an open kitchen, the people that are cooking the food get to see the actual guests? Do you think that there's more love that gets put into it? No, I'll, I'll phrase that because most kitchens, you work on a line, you're there, you're in a kitchen that's blocked off. You spin the plate into the into the window, and it's gone. An expo takes it, makes it pretty, puts it on a tray, and it disappears. You're already onto the next dish. You don't see where it goes. But when you're making something and you're putting it there and you're watching the people get it, and then where they go, is there is there a little more ownership of going? I want to make this perfect because I see the people that are. I see the end user. So I mean, I can only speak for myself in that regard. But like for me, yes, one hundred percent. Like having that 
kind of direct line interaction with, you know, like you said, having from being, being there from start to finish, which, you know, start would be cooking and finish would be consumption. Like that would having that being able to see it the entire way. Like there is, I, I find that very, very satisfying. Yeah. I, I've, I imagine it'd be too. And both of our restaurants are inside I'm, my restaurants. I, I'm at, I are both inside kitchens and I almost like want to send out line cooks every day into the restaurant. Like I say, Hey, did you make that? Hey, go out and talk to this table and go talk to them about the dish you just made when they love it. Like when you get a guest, this, I love this dish, find the guy that made it, send him out there and have him talk to the table. Let them explain to him why they thought the dish was great just so that they can have this. Oh, these are going to actual people and they love what I just made because it's hard to do that yeah. over I mean, and over. You just spin a dish in the window. It's just there. It's like, I want you to take pride in this. And I mean, how do you teach you know, that? send them out in the restaurant i mean i don't know it's you have to you have to either yeah. have it i don't know if it's is it coachable that's a you know one that i haven't really thought about and now that i am kind of just like briefly thinking about it i don't know that it's it's an interesting interview I, question going forward yeah you know like <laughs> do you I, have I, that quality like what do you well, take that pride in i mean I, I i in a, in a sense i feel like the majority of people are going to have inherently a little bit of that in them right yeah we're because like kind of we're set as humans to like want to you know i don't want to say satisfy people well that's yeah <laughs> you want to serve people yeah people in our industry people who do what we do exactly we want, love to we, serve, we to serve. That, and that like, makes us feel to good. be that able fills to get our cup. to be able to have that gratitude return to you or having that like that little bit of feedback at the end like that you know makes a ton of difference. Like I was just listening to, I think it was the Huberman lab podcast about his, his segment about gratitude. And that was what he was talking about is like, you know, a gratitude practice that where you sit down and, you know, think about all the things that you're grateful for is one thing. It's great. I mean, it's definitely a good habit to develop, but one where you get to receive gratitude is ultimately more changing and more effective in the process, in the grand scheme of things. And like, like you said, I think that, you know, whether that's a coachable thing or not, just being able to have somebody have that experience will like instill that kind of like good feeling and that emotional feedback in them. And then they'll, you know, want to kind of pursue that and continue that trend. Absolutely. I think it's one of the most special things that we have people that with that that's the thing that when you were 21 years old and you start working in restaurants that's the thing that draws us is that everybody you have a bunch of people that are like that and you put them all together and we buy each other at the end of the night I, we bought everybody drinks you just because that's what we wanted to continue serving that's what we do i wanted I, I did this i'm grateful that i got this money today to do this fun job let's all go celebrate let's all go party yeah and it just it's like the people often reckon often say it's like being on a pirate ship because it's just kind of chaos everywhere, but we all get it done at the end of the day. And then we all drink a bunch of rum and it's just crazy. I think it's an interesting, um, to get back to what you were saying before, like just the level of stress and burnout that gets into play and being a leader in a building. Do you focus on that? Do you focus on people that are stressed out and people that are burnout and, and Hey, let's not get there. What do you do in that situation? I mean, it's, I feel like more, like I may be more in tune with it just because of some of the, 
the progress that I've made in my own life in the past couple of years, but at the same time, it's always been something that's been very prevalent, you know, regardless of how you look at the industry, like it's hard. It's there. You know, there's, there's, there's no, there's no way to candy coat it. Like what we do is hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, like being, I guess being mindful of it, like, and being more kind of in tune with it and having gone through it myself, like, you know, if you see somebody getting to that point, like, you know, the best you can do, like, I, I wouldn't say the best you can do, but like, yes, being able to just know that you're there, like, let them know that you're there to support them, that they're, you know, obviously not on their own or anything like that. And like, just being able to I think that it's, you know, leading from the rear is kind of the, that kind of mindset of like, you know, I'm going to obviously be pushing my team to progress and do, you know, everything to their, the best of their ability, but at the same time, not to the point where, it's affecting it's, their mental it's, health. It's putting them kind of over that, over that edge. Um, so just kind of, yeah, I guess mindfulness and that like that balance is kind of the the best way to. How do how do you think that, that how do you think sobriety has helped you in that? Do you think that it has? Do you think that being sober has helped you recognize or be a better leader? I absolutely. You know, just being more present and more mindful. You know, like that's that's two major pluses in and of themselves. Um, and then just kind of like, you know, along with sobriety, like, you know, kind of one of the running, I don't, I don't want to say a joke, but it is kind of one of those common themes of like, you know, everybody should experience this because like, it's not necessarily, yes, it's very much a program of recovery, but it's also a program of becoming a human yeah, or being a better human. And like, just having that kind of, daily, like always doing the next right thing and always, you know, being, you know, always having those kind of, of sentiments in your own brain and, you know, even not bringing it from a recovery perspective into the workplace is beneficial to the overall mentality and culture of the team in, in every aspect. I, I look back on my drinking days and just, the, I, I talked about it in, in an episode, a few episodes back when I told my story, but I didn't have the ability to have feelings. I was, when I grew up, my whole thing was, you're a man, be a man, suck it up, get in there, you work hard, and at the end of the day, you get to have a beer. At the end of the day, you can get, you can, you can wash all those feelings away and just get drunk, and then you can start the next day, but be a man, be a man. And I guess I led that way as well, and the restaurants was just like, look, I'll be here 90 hours a week, you should be here 90 hours a week, don't be a wuss, let's go. And it was just a, this drill sergeant kind of mentality and when I stopped drinking I didn't have a way to stop those feelings and then I started exploring them and I went oh man I've been doing this wrong the whole time yep like I'm that's adding a, that's I'm a really wild adding to the toxic culture when I think I'm helping people increase their work ethic I'm like no, I'm driving mental health by treating people this way and it was a huge like oh my god like Feel, like flooded with emotions and oh, yeah. feelings that just are constant all the time. But it helped me be a better, I, I think it helped yeah, me be a more I, understanding and empathic leader. Yes. That's and empathy is definitely the, the, the main thing there where it's, yes, that's 100% where it kind of, and that's what, what I brought up as well. Like having that clarity and that mental presence and that mental presence, you know, being there um, <clears throat> allows you to be more empathetic as a leader. And like, that's, when it comes right down to it, that's, you know, 
what I feel makes some of the best leaders is just that, that empathy. And like, you know, there is still obviously like that work ethic and that drive is still very important, but when you can lead by example in that department, instead of constantly having to push that down somebody's throat, it makes it a healthier turnaround in the long run. I love feelings. I talk, I, my husband getting sober has been so great because now he like wants to talk about feelings and like explore things. And I'm like, I love this. (laughs) I don't know if my wife likes it. I think she does. I think she does. She does. She does. I'm still not the best at home. I'm still fine. I'm still, I still try. I mean, my husband's new. He's under a year, you know, so. Do you have a spouse, girlfriend, kids, anything along those lines? Just me and the dog. You and the dog, you like to go hiking. Do you have, um, have you been, do you do any like canoeing or kayaking? There's a bunch of rivers around here. I, not it yet. Is, it is something that like, yeah, not, I haven't gotten into it here. It's your September. Um, you haven't really had a nice season yet. No, no, you're headed into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is definitely something I've enjoyed in the past. I also just, you know, haven't really had, I guess, the resources. You know, like I don't have a kayak or a canoe, but like I know yeah. that there's, you know, rentals, rentals. and everything like that. So We're gonna, I, I live in the West, West Nashville and we have uh, the Harpeth River that is a really great place. Um, the tip of canoe, foggy bottom, Tennessee canoe. There's, but it's, uh, it's, uh, there's a big circle. It's like an eight mile circle. You just, they drop you off in the morning in a canoe or a kayak and you just like lazy float around the most beautiful river. It's amazing. My favorite things to do in Nashville. And it's, 18 minutes from downtown. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite things about Nashville is that 18, like less than 20 minutes away from downtown, I can be in the middle of a river, like in, in the country, floating down a river, looking at gar and snakes and all kinds of cool shit like that. And it just turns Jennifer off. She's like, there's snakes? Yeah, they're, yeah. Snakes. No, and that was... No, that, I've actually done it. Okay. Surprising. Kind of touching on that again, but that was also one of the big draws for me kind of getting up here is like, you know, growing up in Wisconsin, spending most of my life in the North, like the woods is my place, you know, mm-hmm. granted, you know, the beach having, you know, being right on Lake Michigan growing up, like there was always that, you know, let's go down to the beach in the summertime, whatever it is. But at the same time, like only having that option when I was in like Savannah or when I was in Charleston, everybody was like, so like, let's go out on the water. Let's go, to, let's go down to the beach. And it's like, I, I want to go like, find some mushrooms and check out the moss and like <laughs> go forage, go, go, go play with the leaves. And mm-hmm. I want shade. I, <laughs> when I was getting sober, um, October 28th, 2019 was my, my sobriety date. You think four months, five months later, we started a pandemic. So I got to, I was just at home, you know, I, it's nice cause I wasn't in a restaurant like yeah. around all the stuff in my, my times, but I have a woods in my backyard's all woods and I built a trail that goes to my parents' house and it's like seven feet wide. But I was out there every day and I was just in the woods, bonfire, me, my kids, just out in the woods. It's magical. There's there's that that's my special place too. Yeah. And it's like there's Yeah. I mean, I'm not not taking away from the beach by any such stretch of the imagination, but like, yeah, the woods is that's my spot. We're going to have to hang, man. We're going to have to go. No, you I'm guys a, have a lot of similar interests. I'm going <laughs> to take you to, to Percy Warner and go, go do the White Trail or something fun. I'll, I'll take you some right. new trails on, in West Nashville and we'll introduce our dogs. It'll be a good time. There we go. Yeah. Well, all right. I We're, we're I, don't, I don't know if you were going to get deep like that. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was, 
It was I had a good. good time. Good, good man. And what are we missing? Anything we're missing? What do you want to talk about? You want to let's. You want to promote Joyland a little bit. You want to talk about what you're doing there? You got anything cool? Anything special? Um, at the moment, we're kind of putting the cool and special on hold for the like a little while. Just kind of like everybody let everybody chill out a little bit because yeah. like this this these past handful of months have been, you know, with like the. The pop-ups, you know, whether it was the the weekend pop-ups where we have somebody come Eastside in. Eastside Bon Me. Yeah, that one was too. that yeah. one was they they jammed out like they we we had some fun with that Your one. Your Kisser do, one looked good too. Do you we, think we've done a handful with Kisser just because yeah. like they're they're all, they're kind of old Husk alumni or yeah, Ryan is anyway. So, yes. So like they've 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 been friends for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, had the pop-ups that we did with them were always really fun. Um, the I sit think, down I think Chad Newton is the nicest person in the city. Okay. You said about me, Chad. Mm-hmm. I think he's like the nicest person I've ever met. Okay. Sorry to everybody I've met. <laughs> I think he's my new favorite. But like the you Bye. know like the, the sit down dinner or like the the tasting menu dinner that we did with them and proper mm-hmm. sake, and then we had mm. the Tyler Brown one just recently, and there was we did the late night pop up with Zhao Bao, mm-hmm. um, who what was the Tyler Brown? I saw a picture of Tyler holding up. I think I think it was just holding up like a Giving Kitchen thing that the. the the Giving Kitchen was here for Dying Nashville that week. Right. But what did you guys do, Tyler? Because I've known Tyler for a long time, and I haven't talked to him in a long time. And um, so that was... Catch me up. I, I was actually out that day. I oh. was under Took the weather. a day off? How dare you? No, I was... What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, I was kind of death's door, like... Mm. What is this band around your right arm? Uh, this is a... It's a whoop. So, about eight months into... Me getting sober, I also wanted to start taking my physical health into a more positive direction. Okay. So, like, um, it's it's basically a, a it tracks certain metrics. I think you know, heart rate is obviously the, kind of the primary one, but it does a couple of other minor ones that, like, you know, over the course of the day, it'll give me what my strain for the day is, and then my like it'll track everything while I sleep and then it'll when I wake up it'll say like sleep was recorded and you know give me like a recovery rating so that I can kind of balance out like you know when it does come to go to the gym or whatever it is like I can say like hey mate you know maybe my body needs an extra day to recover and take an extra rest day or whatever it is and kind of base my trading off of the metrics that I get from it um I gotta learn more about that because kind of kind of kind of similar kind of similar to what you were saying is like you know I I got sober, let's see, May 22nd, 2019. So, yeah, it'll be three years in May. Um, But then, you know, came back, didn't go back to work right away because I was still doing, like, outpatient treatment when I was, you know, after doing an inpatient program. And then... um, So you did the full full rehab? Yeah. Okay. Um, But then, you know, after, let's see, 45 days and then another eight weeks and then not going back to work right away, like, I... Put on a few pounds. Yeah, and that happens. Then there was the the mass furloughs of March mm. of, of that you know very short term, like very 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 recently or shortly after that right. whole thing. So like, you know, I ballooned up to about two hundred and forty five pounds, and that's my goal weight. I was like, I I'm not <laughs> I'm not really feeling this anymore. So I got in touch with one of the guys that I used to work with, who is now very prevalent in the world of fitness and you know started getting you know programming and training guides through him um started being a lot more mindful with my diet and everything like that and you know now i'm i think 
175 ish. So nice. Wow. That's so it's like amazing. Just having, you know, that going on, you know, just that overall wellness, I guess. Right. So like being a lot more mindful of my mental health and a lot more concerned, like paying more attention to whatever, what's going on with my body and just like knowing when you need to say like, all right, it's time to, to ease up and like being okay with that, I guess is one of the big things. Do you meditate? I do. Is it the greatest thing in the world? It can be. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely something I enjoy. It's definitely something that like, I wish I was a little more committed to. Me too. Like having, having a practice is great, but being consistent with that practice is definitely the hard part. It is. Um, but as far as like things that are going on at Joyland, you know, like I said, we are kind of like pumping the brakes a little bit with, um, you know, I know June has, June is launching over at Audrey and there's the, the Nashville series of dinners that they're doing. So like everybody's kind of being pulled other directions. And at the end of the day, like Joyland is, you know, a fun and entertaining spot on its own. And as much fun as it is to have all those other people come in, like it's also kind of time for us to focus what you do. inward and what we're doing and making sure that that's still on point as opposed to, you know, trying to go all these other different directions with things. And I can imagine as somebody who's a leader in the building, that's got to feel good to go. Okay. Where there's no more storms. I imagine if like you're, if you're a boat captain, all of those things are individual things that take you off course. And now you're like, we got smooth sailing ahead for a little while. We can really focus on what we do in our own execution and let's, Let's get yeah, better every it's, day. It's exactly. And that's that's one of those things where it's, you know, now that we are in that kind of that that spot, it's being able to take the time to internally focus on the staff and, you know, building staff and, you know, whether it's retraining or changing some training or whatever it is and like adjusting some of our systems, like having having that little moment to kind of step back and see that picture and take a breath a little bit is definitely something that's that's my kind of like new excitement right now. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to tell them what time it is? How old are you? 37. Okay. Do okay. you, you ever watch Jerry Springer, the Jerry Springer show? I'm quite familiar with Jerry Springer. What does he do at the end of the show? Uh, that's actually one that I'm not familiar with. You heard of Jerry's final thought? <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about when uh, I say that? I, I do kind of. It's Honestly, it's been... You proved your point. We're done. Okay, when, when, was, <laughs> when was Jerry's, like, when was the last time he was relevant? So, okay, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you introduce it. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, do you want me to give him the background on? You can just introduce the final segment. If you want, if you do whatever you want, you got it. You can tell him whatever you want. Okay. Well, the idea <laughs> of Jerry's final thought is that you get to say whatever you'd like to say to anyone listening. You can sum up the episode or how you feel about Nashville or anything at all, truly anything. You can endorse a candidate for whatever, whatever you want to say. You're taking us out. You're taking us out. Cool. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I think this was a ton of fun. And, you know, we kind of similar to what the restaurants have done. We pivoted a little bit when we were here today. Like we came, you know, with the intention of talking about Joyland and kind of got a little bit of my own personal story instead, which, you know, at the end of the day, that's also like, a very big part of what I do on my, in my daily life. So why not? Right. Um, but I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, we did cover all of our bases and had a good conversation and I appreciate it being here. So thanks guys. 
Thanks you are welcome. We loved having you. Yeah, we did. This was fun. Thank you. Absolutely. I never want to talk about I just want to talk about you the whole time. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> that was always my plan. All right. Yeah. It worked. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Blake Her- Harris. Harris. Yeah. Harris. Like, the way it's like, spelled really Harris. throws you off. It, you know, going back to the you know, dating ourselves kind of thing is like it, it, it made uh, identifying telemarketers very, very easy oh, growing up. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh. They'd, they'd always call, they don't, you know, cold call the house and be like, can I speak to Mr. Horezi or, you mm. know, whatever it might They're have like, been. And I don't like, know you. There's nobody here by that name. Yeah. My last name is S-T-Y-L-L and I get style a lot. It's same sort it's, it's pronounced still, but I got a lot of, is, is Brandon style? And you're like, oh, no, no, he's not here. You can take that number off you. It's, it's not his number anymore. Thank you. <laughs> My last name is Ichikawa and uh, that's a, that's a tough one here. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Blake, thank you so much for coming on Nashville Restaurant Radio Thanks today. We've got to do it again sometime, man. This was a lot of fun, and yeah. um, we'll, we'll hang. I'm yeah. excited. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. All right. Big thank you to Blake Harris for joining the show. Uh, that was a fun episode. I know I always say that. I always say, like, that was a really fun episode, but I mean it. Like, that really was uh, a lot of fun. And uh, you can tell there we were. It was a beautiful day, which was the week before last that we did this interview. So I hung on to it. It was out, I had it for about a week before we had the snow and all the excitement. So we went through the third, the, the fall, spring, and then the third winter, and now we're going into uh, the regular spring coming up this week. So this Friday we're going to have Frank Pereira, who is the chef and owner over at Culachino in Franklin, and then a week from today we're going to be speaking with Kayla Ellis. And she is the beverage director for Oku and the Oak Steakhouse. And she was just an absolute delight. There's some very practical stuff we talked about there. So if you are responsible for a drink menu or you just want to know what's going on in the beverage world, she was very, very informative and helpful. And uh, there's an op- you, may, you may get to hear some more of her. So there's some fun uh, things in the works here at Nashville Restaurant Radio. Thank you, Jen Ichikawa, for joining us during that show. I'm Brandon Still. Follow us on Instagram, Jen Ichikawa underscore NRR at Brandon underscore NRR at Nashville underscore restaurant underscore radio. And uh, follow us on TikTok. I put all kinds of random videos out there and uh, apparently you guys like them because it's doing well. Thank you guys for listening. Go make this week special. And uh, we hope that whatever you do, please be safe and considerate. Love you guys. Bye-bye.